Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. By the way, I didn't know any different. I didn't have any jo- I wasn't like, um, SAG rules actually state that I should be in bed right now. I was just like, way, I'm, I'm an early star. <laughs> like thinking, you know, in my uh, flipping Hilton hotel, just having a right blast with my free coffee. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Collider Ladies Night. I am beyond thrilled to welcome Naomi Scott to the show this time around. Hello and congratulations on Soft Voice. This is officially the first audio series we've ever covered on the show. Oh, nice. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad to uh, to be here chatting about it. Thanks for having me. I warned you. We go back to the very beginning, and I mean, like literally, step one. What is the very first thing that made you say? I have to be an actor, whether it was a favorite movie, seeing an idol do it, a personal experience, you name it. Um, seeing Lindsay Lohan in The, uh, in the Parent Trap, definitely, 100%. I watched that movie like 100 times. I literally, I, can, I think I could probably still quote that movie. And I just love the fact, like seeing, you know, she was so young. Gosh, I don't know how she, old she was, like 13 or something. And, you know, her just doing these different accents. And I used to, you know, I used to copy. I used to, I really wanted to be Hallie. I don't, did you watch Parent Trap? Oh, right? I, I did. Don't know if you and did. I wanted to okay. be Hallie. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted to be Hallie. Because obviously when you're a, a little British kid, like the American, like it's just so cool to be American. Like so much so that I cut my hair like hers. I had, I did like the little fringe. My mum went crazy. But anyway, I am. Um, yeah, I loved, I just thought, oh my gosh, I don't know, I just loved it. And I, I would just imitate, you know, and I would, I would, um, that was kind of, I guess, the first time that I was just like, I want to do that, I want to do that, I want to do that. Um, and then I also think I used to watch, I remember watching, I remember watching Disney Channel um, and I watched, there was this, there was this little sketch show in between like the US shows and the on uh, UK Disney channel called Life Bites. And it was like this five minute show. And I remember watching it. And I honestly remember thinking, you know what, I could do that. 
I could absolutely do it. Like I just, in my head, I was like, I, I don't know how I would get from here, my couch to there, but I feel like I could. And that was weirdly enough, the first job I booked was Life Bites. That was the first, which is just mental. It's so weird. Um, and I, I think a lot of it was that kind of self-belief of, wait, I can do that. Oh, wait, I can. And I think first you have to like see, visualize yourself doing it in a weird kind of way. And, and um, yeah, those were, those were two moments that I can, that I can pick out. I have one more parent trap question. Did yeah, you draw the line at piercing your own ears? Because that was something that I had pierced ears at that age, but I was very tempted to at least try it. Oh no, that was, I, um, oh gosh, how, I think I was allowed to get my ears pierced at 11 years old, which I feel like, you know, not bad. When were you allowed to get your ears pierced? I think I got them pierced as, as like a toddler. So I wouldn't remember the experience. Oh my God. I think God. I must've been like two or three. Oh, bless you. I always, oh my gosh, I, yeah, I always feel so bad when I see like little babies. I'm like, oh, they didn't know. They just like went through the pain just to look like you. Um, yeah, no. Okay. I feel like because of uh, getting it so young, then when you get older and you genuinely can like think for yourself and want more piercings, then all of a sudden they go all up the ear and you just yeah, can't I, stop. I do really want, actually, I do want a couple up here, but I just don't know if I can be, be asked to do it. Do you have any piercings up there? I've got, I've got two holes in this year. I've had a second hole in this one that closed up and I did do the cartilage at one point and that closed up as well. It was also very uncomfortable to sleep on and yeah, that no. used to bother me. Well, that, do you remember in the nineties as well, the belly button piercings were the thing. Do you remember? Well, like, I went through that phase. I still have a hole in my <laughs> belly button from my belly button ring. Stop. Yeah. I used to think, and you know how like, again, obviously how like, whatever, I, I thought, I think I thought it was like an American thing. And I was like, I really want to get my belly button pierced. Thank goodness I didn't though, oh my gosh. Yeah, that, that was definitely a phase that I'm glad I grew out of. And I, I think I still can, I don't know why I have it, but I'm pretty sure I still have the ring that I used to get it pierced for the first time. I need Harry, to it might come back. You never know. It kind it of don't want back to. With a vengeance, trends come back around. The, the piercing phase has morphed into a tattoo phase. So that's, that's where that's we're at right now. I, I assume you have no tattoos. Well, that's interesting that you assume that. I wonder why. I'm just making a guess. No, I, you know, I don't. <laughs> if, you, if you had to get one, what would it be? That's a really good question. It would definitely be something small. I do like when people do the small things random, like in random places. I think that looks really cool. But for me, it's more a case of, some people are just like innately cool and they can just like, they can just pull it off and they know what to wear with it. Like, I just feel like it would be another, yet another thing that like confuses me in terms of like, what do I wear? Like it's already trouble enough in the morning. I'm like, I don't know what to wear. Like, I'm not really. So I just go for the same tracksuit like over and over again. I go for like my comfort clothes. So I feel like if I got a tattoo, it would just be another thing to like, think about aesthetically that I'm just like, you know, I can't be asked. I understand that. You're talking to someone who's basically been wearing the three, the three same sweatpants for like a year now, a oh. creature of habit. And that's also why all of my tattoos are hidden. <laughs> so I don't have to stress about oh. it. So They're there for me. No one sees them ever but me. I love that. Yeah. What's your favorite tattoo that you got? Ooh, I think I have to give my, my favorite to, this is very random. Do you know the candy now and laters? That might be more of a more of a U.S. thing. Now and later, they're hard taffy. Oh, I don't think I do. No, 
it, Google them after. I feel like you'll know if you see the logo. My grandfather invented them. And so oh. when he passed away, I got a tattoo of the old school logo for now and later. And my mom got one and my sister got one as well. So we all have them. Wait, that's so cool. I bet you have such an interesting family history. <laughs> we, yeah, we're, we're, we're a curious, uh, mighty entertaining bunch. Yeah, I, I love how we got from Parent Trap to like tattoos about candy. There, there's something about a uh, Parent Trap that just screams nostalgia to me. So I feel like it's a natural connection to it. Made. It is, it is. And then like, I don't know why, but my mind started going to like um, jelly sandals and like, <laughs> and doing like, you know. Oh my God, I haven't thought of those in forever. They're called jelly sandals, aren't they? they yeah, they were jellies. Yeah, jellies. Yeah, it's called jellies. They were like the, the sparkly, uh, you know, like glittery oh, sample things. All those fairy things that you would pull and then they'd go like this. Oh, I remember those too. I feel like they still probably, I don't know, sell those for your okay. I love like, how I'm like, do you remember it? And it's like still, you know, there are still children in the world, Naomi. <laughs> I feel like that's probably a thing. <laughs> Back to you now. Back to Sorry. back to the initial dream, actually. Yeah. Yeah. When yeah. you first pictured yourself making it, so to speak, what mm. did you picture at the time? Was it being a Disney star? Was it going as far ahead as maybe winning an Oscar one day? What did it look like? Oh, I think it was all jumbled, to be honest. I think it was everything. Um, I know, like, sometimes I listen, listening to some, you know, uh, some of the other episodes, some actors and they have these really clear visions and then they like go and see plays and da, da, da. like for me, I was like, I just want to be on stage in front of loads of people. And then I just want to, then I can see myself at the Oscars and I can see myself here and I can see like, I think for me, it was just a, it was just a whole mess of things in my head. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. I, I think definitely the Disney thing, you know, when you grow up, you know, you're watching Disney Channel or something. Yeah, I think, I definitely think there was a bit of that. I, I thought, oh, I could, I could have my own show about myself, you know, and I'll be singing and dancing and doing all the things I enjoy doing. So I think maybe, oh, it sounds bad, doesn't it? Disney Channel, that feels like a really, uh, that doesn't, they're just like, everyone has these like very serious, and I'm like, oh, I wanted to be on Disney Channel, but. No, I get that. I feel, I feel like, when you get the dream in your mind so early on, it's usually connected to something that you were really into as a kid. It's like when I thought I wanted to get into entertainment journalism, when I yeah. was like a teeny tiny child, like preteen, all I ever pictured was being an MTV VJ, just because that was what I watched. I watched all the time. <laughs> because that's what you grew up with. Uh, yeah, when you're that, exactly. You just see, you see something and you're like, oh, you see yourself in it, exactly. Um, yeah, so I, I think really young, it would have been, it would have been that. And then obviously, you know, as I got older, um, yeah, it was just different movies. And I think, and also I started out in music. I, you know, I started out writing and in these kind of writing camps. Um, and I actually, it was, it was only when I got Terra Nova, which was this Fox show that, I really kind of had to make a decision in terms of what I was going to pursue in that moment. Um, Cause it was always music first, to be really honest with you. Um, which is also interesting because I feel like my movie education is only been in the last, you know, few years. I feel like that's, you know, I've had my own sort of school of 
of watching things and going back and I have many holes um, and many things that, you know, I, I probably should have watched that I hadn't, I didn't necessarily grow up, you know, a movie buff or like kind of just being obsessed with movies in that way. I was, it was always music. So, so yeah, it was, it was that moment of, there was a bit of a transition moment there. Um, and I remember kind of going, yeah, no, I think this is a great opportunity um, for me to take and off I was to Australia. So, so yeah, I think it was both singing and acting um, and acting was just, again, when you're that young, I don't think you overthink it. Um, it was just kind of, yeah, the opportunities that were that were open at the time. And, and I kind of just went with it and honestly just learned on the job. I didn't go to, didn't go to drama school, didn't have any fancy training. I didn't know what a mark was. I, pro I like my first, I am, um, the first movie I ever did, my director at the end was like, yeah, she was like, you on the first couple of weeks? She was like, you were, she said, I was like, who have I cast? <laughs> I didn't even know, I didn't know what I was doing. She was like, you were fine after a couple of weeks, you learn on the, but yeah, I honestly, truly, I didn't have any family in the industry. There was no like, you know, um, I don't know what the word is, but yeah, I didn't, there was no kind of connection to that. I, I'd never had any experience in that. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was, a uh, th that was the kind of transition from kind of the music thing that I was doing to, to actually, you know, having a job on the screen. I was reading that you had someone super cool at your back early on though. And, you know, this is from my light Wikipedia reading. So you might have to fill in some holes here, but Wikipedia says you were discovered by Kelly Bryan. And as I was preparing for this, I fell into watching her entire TED talk, which is absolutely incredible. So one, how did that happen? How did she discover you? And also given her experience in the industry, what kind of invaluable advice was she able to give you when you were first starting out in entertainment? Do you know, I couldn't think of a better mentor for that age and where I was at. <clears throat> so Kelly Bryan, oh, I love that. I love that, you know, Kelly's amazing and, you know, such a good friend of mine and um was just yeah so so basically I was gosh I was 14 I was singing at this church event so I'm a I'm a pastor's kid I'm a PK and um and it was just this random event and my dad was like oh nay can you um can you just sing something in between and I was like dad I don't have my backing track so I, my mum had to go home and get my um backing track for Alicia Keys if I ain't got you with the really bad midi keyboard that was like like and um and so I sung I sung if I ain't got you and Kelly was there because she was giving some sort of talk about her life story and you know faith etc and um and she heard me singing. I don't think she was in the room, but she heard me singing. And she, the end of the night, she kind of was like, hi, and introduced herself. And she said, you know, I have my own theater agency and, um, you know, Nay is quite young, but I, you know, I think that she, she actually said, I kid you not, she went, oh, I know you can act. She said, Dora, I know you can act, which is just hilarious. And also one of the first things she said to me was, um, so anyway, my, me and my parents met with her and, you know, I think my parents had a very good balance in terms of, you know, being protective in terms of, okay, we're not well versed in this world, you know, we know, but we, 
we know there is, you know, lots, all sorts of stuff that goes on and especially from, you know, a young, um, a young person and um, to also being like, we know this is what you want to do. We want to support you and what you want to do. Um, and, and so, yeah, one of the first things she said to me was, oh, Disney will eat you all up. I remember it so, so clearly, which is just crazy to me because like that was not only the first job that I got was with Disney Channel, but then, you know, I have a bit of a history with Disney. Um, so, so yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, so she put me on her books and I remember I started going to auditions. I had a, um, did a, I'm sure there's a Dutch insurance advert somewhere, commercial of me, like with a backpack. And um, there's like, I'm, I'm on a Wii. Do you remember Ski Sports Wii? I definitely did a couple of those. Oh, I did a pet, I was, yeah. Oh yeah, that was great. I had to look, you know, did that winter sports. Remember that? I was in that, an advert for that. I was in a Coca-Cola advert doing something or other. Um, yeah, and, and then just, yeah. And then my first acting gig was, was Life Bites, which is just mental, crazy. Um, and there I was on the very set that I remember watching going, I could do that. And there I was That's going, 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 where, what's a mark? Where's my work mark? And just like, I'm wearing all sorts of naughty clothing that no one should ever wear, putting colors together that no one should ever put together. But hey, ho, that is the Disney channel, isn't it? <laughs> Being so far removed from the Disney Channel and like tis Disney TV production, looking back, is there anything that makes you say either, I can't believe that their productions work that way, or maybe I'm so thankful their productions work that way? Ooh. So I went from, Life Bites was this little UK production. That was great, that was so much fun. And again, it was like five minute sketch show. So it wasn't necessarily part of the, the big kind of American machine. Um, I'm sure some of the other, um, you know, Disney stars, child stars that kind of came up on a show, that was, I think that was a whole different thing and a whole different type of pressure. Mm -hmm. And even different, even a whole different pressure to the, the cause I did the uh, Disney Channel movie, Lemonade Mouth was, was even probably different to that. I was already at that point 18. So I had a little bit of understanding of who I was, what I wanted to do, what I didn't want to do. Um, you know, my friend Bridget, um, she'd been on a show since she was 14, you know. So again, I entered it when it comes to, you know, Lemonade Mouth, I entered it, at, at, um, I was 18. So I feel like I was somewhat knew a little bit about, you know, myself at that point. But run, the only, thing, the only thing I remember is that they just had the best breakfasts on set. I also remember being introduced to craft services for the first time on this Disney, on this American. And you know, for me, it's like this US production. And I was like, oh my gosh, they have a trolley of candy that just came round. And to me, I just thought this was, I was like, I've made it. Like, this is, this is what I've wanted. Like, this is what it's all about. It's all about candy on a trolley. And I, I honestly, again, I put on weight on that. I just, I was like free food. That's the other thing as well. You've got to remember like for me, like free, like free food, man. You don't say no to free food. And that was free, free shit. So I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, they had a great, they had great breakfast, great breakfast burritos. I remember they were really, really good. But no, um, again, even that was a fantastic, that was such a lovely experience. Um, we were in New Mexico, you know, again, it wasn't this, 
I think once it gets into the shows, which by the way, there was, you know, they definitely were keen for me to go that route. Um, there was an opportunity for me to kind of follow in the footsteps of maybe some of those other girls, um, have your own show around you that is to do with music, et cetera, et cetera. And it's so interesting that at 18 years old, I was like, maybe I was 17, yeah, 17, 18, I knew that wasn't what I wanted to do. And, um, and I think it's because, again, those deals, they lock you in for such a long time. And if you're already, as I said, you're 18, you're coming into your kind of womanhood. I was like, I think that time's passed. If I was 14 and it was like, let's, you know, Disney Channel, have your own show, great, great. But I think that there's a fresh, and you can see it, you know, and I'm sure a lot of the, those actors would be open about that. And these Disney stars that we see now, like kind of about that, that maybe that frustration of wanting to, to grow as an adult and feel like you're still kind of, you know, seen as one thing. Um, I knew that that's not what I wanted. So I kind of, I kindly passed up that, that, that opportunity. Um, but no, they were, they were really, it was a really nice atmosphere. Actually, we were, we were well looked after. Um, or maybe we weren't and I just don't know. I just can't remember. <laughs> maybe at the time I was just having so much fun. I didn't know, by the way, I didn't know any different. I didn't have any, I wasn't like, um, SAG rules actually state that I should be in bed right now. I was just like, way, I'm on an early star. <laughs> like thinking, you know, in my uh, flipping Hilton hotel, just having a right blast with my free coffee. I feel like uh, when they have a fancy craft service table, they can just convince you that, that anything is a possibility. A hundred percent. So, Terra Nova. I do want to add, because yeah. if you've watched any of these, you probably know, I like to talk about bumps in the road sometimes because if there's oh, yeah. characters out there, they might be encouraged hearing about how you dealt with them. So I am curious with that series, because that was like a big gig to have booked. And then it only lasts one season. So how do you not get bogged down by the disappointment and keep your sights set on forging forward? Yeah, that's a great question, Perry. So what am I, what, 1920, something around that age. Um, number one, when you're, when you're a youngster on a show like that, a lot of stuff you don't necessarily understand with the politics that are going on. Again, I wasn't, I, I don't remember necessarily being as aware of what was what was going down. I do remember there were a lot of cooks in the kitchen, you know, on a show like that. And um, we had such a blast. Oh my gosh, it was like, it was so, but it, again, it was incredible. It was very expensive show as well. Um, I think it's kind of, you know, when something starts out as one thing, I remember there were a lot of political undertones to, to the original pilot and the, you know, the meaning. And I think what happens is sometimes that can, you know, get diluted into making some type of, not not soapy, but just, it, you know, it becomes this, yeah, whatever whatever people feel like it needs to be, but sometimes you can dilute something, you, you lose the uniqueness or the thinginess of it, and then it becomes, then it ends up not being really for anyone, or you don't know where to place it, you know? Um, so I think maybe it was a little bit, to do with that. And um, I mean, I guess, you know, down to just ratings, I guess it didn't, again, I don't know. I just remember having such a blast and then, you know, it was over. <laughs> it was just like, 
However, I'll be really honest with you, didn't really want to live in Australia. I loved Australia. No, no, no. It was beautiful. It was amazing. Like Australia is stunning. And I had, to, again, it was, but I, there's a difference between working there and then being like, you're there for eight years on a show that runs for eight years. And, you know, remember these contracts, they were like, let me, let me sign you up for, you know, the next decade. Like back in the day, they were like those pilots, you know, you used to, I say back in the day, it wasn't like even, you know, 20 years ago, but it has by the way, changed a lot. Right. Um, <clears throat> so, um, so I was kind of like, you know, this might be, for me personally, as, as incredible as the experience was, a bit of a, a bit of a blessing in disguise, maybe. Um, that's not to say again that I didn't love it and I wasn't disappointed. Obviously, that it didn't do what it was meant to do, but but just you know, I would I would definitely always see things in the sense of okay, it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. And by the way, you sometimes you have to say that to yourself when you're like, but I really wanted that job, or I really, you know, but I really felt like that was one. Oh gosh, I've had. I've had those moments where I've felt like a job. I'm like, this is it. I've, and then it's not, you know, and you're just like, but I thought, no, but that was, but they were, all the signs were pointing to it, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I, weirdly enough, I think I was, I think I was okay. I think I was like, you know what? There'll be something else. And I was, yeah, I don't know. I was, I was strangely okay about it. When you brought up the Australia thing, I thought you were going to say you couldn't live there because of the giant bugs. Because now that I'm on TikTok all day, all the only videos I see from Australia are videos of gigantic bugs, like hiding in toilets and stuff. And I can't handle it. Oh, actually, we did have, um, do you know what? We did one time, we had someone on set all the time that would be there specifically for that. Because <clears throat> sometimes we'd be filming like in the, you know, forest I don't know whatever it is in some sort of you know place and um there was one time this guy the guy was like he shouted cut like because he could and he said everyone stand still and everyone froze and there was this black widow spider that was just crawling across the log and then they have to go and like find it and there was another moment where Jason who played my dad we in the middle of a scene just started going <laughs> And like, I was like, I was like, this is where he died. I was like, oh my gosh, he's gonna die. I'm literally, it's gonna be on the news. It's gonna be like, it's, I'm gonna be, it's, I was just like, oh my gosh. Like, and he had these giant ants that had bitten him. And so he was just ripping off his, his shirt. And then we made a joke. We were like, you just always wanted to get your kit off any chance, you know? Um, so I was, I was, snakes are the things that I can't do. I cannot do snakes. No, thank you. Um, but, um, but yeah, no, more just because it was, it's just so, so far away from home. And I think, you know, I didn't, the other thing is I, I never really wanted to get the idea of being like, you have to do this and then you have to do it for 10 years. That made me feel a little bit trapped. I didn't like that idea. There was so much I wanted to explore and do um, that actually after that experience, I said to my team, I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to just sign up to something for, seven years if I, you know, I don't really want to do that unless it really, really, really makes sense. Understandable. 
Jumping off of that then, Power Rangers, I am a huge, huge fan of your Power Rangers movie. Everybody out there knows and I'm mildly obsessed with it. But I do have one question about the movie before it even came out from your perspective, because from our limited perspective, before the movie hits theaters, all of a sudden news breaks that, oh, they're planning seven Power Rangers movies. Is that a situation where you have signed one of those enormous contracts or was that a surprise to you guys as well? Oh, I didn't even know. I didn't even know that was a thing. What yeah, well, was that I, like? I'll never forget covering it because like I'm the biggest Power Rangers fan at Collider and I was all for it. But I'm like, you know, maybe you should wait for one movie to come out first. I mean, they didn't tell me that. Maybe they were like, so we'll get rid of her and then we'll uh, seven other movies. No, I um, did not know that. Um, and no is the answer. I did not. <laughs> I did not sign up to that many um i think i'm sure there was some sort of thing about yeah there was about sequels but i can't i don't know if it was one or two extra movies i don't know yes they would have you know of course been like we're doing this with uh two you know we want to do other movies but but no it wasn't it wasn't a seven year type situation thank goodness because (laughs) yeah again just more just the seven but that was I, I loved that. Yeah, that was such a fun, fun movie to make. And I made some dear friends, dear, dear friends from that. Um, and actually, you know, really enjoyed and loved our filmmaker, D- Dean Israelite. And uh, it was it was a great experience. But um, yeah, just, I guess, I feel like that we came out the week before Beauty and the Beast. Sounds about right. And I remember, and we were kind of like, <laughs> it was like because Beauty and the Beast just like killed, of course, you know. Um, and uh, and, I, and you know what though? I think we did well. We did well in the fir- in that first week, and it kind of just didn't have the the go power, you know, in that sense. But but you know, hey ho, that's how these things. Hey ho, that's how these things go, you know. That it does. I am disappointed though. I wanted to see the franchise continue oh, on with this particular ensemble. Well, Perry, there's um. Well, it is coming back. Jonathan Entwistle, end of the effing oh, world director, which is a great show. I can't believe I haven't pointed this out either. Like, which what screen? This that's the the yellow power coin from the movie. Wait, so you're like a fully fledged I, fan? I got it. Yeah, that's amazing. So wait, we must have. I feel like we must. Have we did we meet? We met at San Diego Comic Con when you guys were promoting it there and then you weren't available, but the other four came in and did a movie trivia thing at our studio. And it was just like, it was wild. Oh, that sounds so much fun. It was, it was a good time. We missed you. Oh, yeah, I would have loved to have been there. Um, but yeah, that was, yeah. Given the fact that we're not going to see you continue Kimberly's story, is there yeah. anything that you knew was on the table for the next movie that you were excited to explore? that, you know, you wish fans could get the opportunity to see at some point. Harry, you'd be surprised. These, they don't, people don't think this far ahead. (laughs) They're like, they're like, we need to, you know, make sure this one works before we think about, um, no, they, they, there's, yeah, they don't, they really don't. They, they just, they wait and see and, you know, see how something does. And then I'm trying to think, I'm sure there were, ideas that we were kind of, that were milling about that I overheard people talking about, but I honestly can't, I honestly can't remember. I just remember like fans being like, 
tree in Kimberley. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. Let's do that. Um, but yeah, no, I can't. I'm sorry. There's nothing I can give. I can't remember anything. Don't be sorry. I mean, that's probably the better approach to something oh, like well, this. There was something about a green Power Ranger, wasn't there? That was going to yes, come. Yes, there on was. That that was uh, that was you the end of movie teams. By the way, you could probably tell me more about this movie that I was in than I could tell you. There, there is a chance. In most, in most cases, that's probably not true. But I watched that movie a lot, and. I, I genuinely think, not even just being a Power Rangers fan overall, I genuinely think it deserved more credit than it got. And I think Dean deserves more credit than he always gets. Because I also um, think- I would, before, great. I would completely agree with you. Um, no, that's what I'm talking about. His movie before, it was so great. And that's why I was like, this guy's great. And by the way, I completely agree that Dean Israelite um, had, you know, such a vision. And, you know, I think especially, you know, those the scenes that were- the parts of the movie that were us and us as kids and um, and the way he shot it, I just thought it was really cool. Um, and I do think he definitely um, deserves more more recognition for that because I, I think he's he's so great. Um, and um, but yeah, I'm sure I'm sure as always things you know talented people they will he will you know they'll always rise up. I am a big believer in <laughs> that as well. Cream to the, was it cream to the what's the the saying? The Wait, is it the what? Is it a water oil and the cream rises? This is a baking thing, and I don't cook anything. I'm the, the <laughs> add water to the pre-made mixture type of person. I don't cook. Although I did make vegan cinnamon roll uh, buns last week, and they were uh, well, they were a little bit crispy to be honest. But I know what to do next time to make them nice and doughy and fluffy. I'm okay. very excited. Sunday. That's my day. Sorry. Anyway, carrying on. I just made, uh, attempted to make cream puffs with my sister and it was some complicated recipe. And the, the item that we left out was the actual like heavy cream. So they never rose. Yeah. And they were just like little flat things that you couldn't put the cream in at the end. So they weren't cream puffs. They were like cream flats. Yeah. And then we gave it to my one-year-old niece and it made her cry. It tasted so bad and I felt awful. <laughs> There, there's some sort of like doughy thing that rises and then you're supposed to use a like a piping bag I can't even believe I know the term piping bag to put you know a cream filling inside of it sounds good I love like anything I love watching people bake so bake off love great but bake off. that's like my favorite thing ever I watch that, it like, especially after a long day, it's just like the most therapeutic, quintessentially British thing. Um, yeah. So. I'm with you on that. I'll watch Chopped all day long, but I won't try to make any of those recipes. Yeah, no, so. I'm so we have to talk about Aladdin. Yeah. There's so many things I can ask you about with that movie, but in particular, let's go with what's more daunting or what is more pressure, I guess, the idea of having to redo a classic song, like A Whole New World, or is it having to do an original song like Speechless and hope that that song hits the bars set by those other original classics? I would probably say the latter. I'd say the aim is not to like, you can't really compete with the original. It's not a competition type situation really, is it? It's just the like, <laughs> well, that's a song that has to be in the movie and I have to sing it. And uh, I'm, I feel very confident that I can sing it well. And, um, I, yeah, I, I, I can't say that I felt 
you know, too nervous about that one. You know, Whole New World also just in terms of the, the song itself, it's it's not as difficult to sing as Speechless. Speechless is a, is very, it's a very, very tough song. And so I think I was more nervous about that because, you know, big moment for the character. It's obviously new. What if people don't like it? Um, you know, that's the song that people are going to, um, when they hear it, they think of your character and you're kind of taking on that that new thing. So I, I would say probably more more pressure with Speechless, but but more more than anything else, I was probably just excited because I thought it was a really strong song. It felt like a really strong ballad. It didn't feel kind of, um, what's the word? It didn't just feel kind of light and pretty or kind of, it felt like it had some gut to it, which I was kind of excited about. I was excited to be able to really sing you know, because and and the other thing about these songs is I'm singing as the character. So you know, my my the way that I sing usually will, sounds very different to obviously my singing in this movie because um, it's a little bit more theatrical. Maybe it's a little bit more. You know, there's some sort of an accent. You know, we there was conversations about that. You know, well, this, you know, I'm singing as Jasmine um, and. But I was excited to inject a little bit more of the soulful sprinkle, maybe, that is more my sensibility in terms of, you know, what I grew up listening to um, with Speechless. So, yeah, I think it was more, I was more excited than anything else, probably because maybe I'm just like, I go into these things quite blind. I'm just like, I think it's a great song. If I think it's a great song, everyone, but, you know, you know, and, and some people like, like new things. Some people, some people don't. Some people kind of like, no, just stick to, stick to how it is and you're never gonna you're never gonna please everyone but um but at, at the very least I loved the song I loved the meaning behind the song I loved the moment that it that it came in the movie I loved I loved the fact that away from the movie it felt like it had some sort of <clears throat> it felt somewhat modern um and uh that was what was what kind of excited me but yeah I really I feel like I should again I should have maybe felt you know, more pressure on all these things. But when you're in that bubble, that lovely bubble of making the movie and you're with all these people and you feel really confident about the choices that you're making and you, you know, you are very clear about what it is you are looking to achieve. That's all you can really do because ultimately you know that people, there are going to be people that, that dig it and people that don't. And that's like anything that I've done up till now. So I'm kind of like, you know, there's no point, there's no point overly where I've had things that have been, as you said, things that have been complete, you know, and I don't like to use the word flop actually, because as I said, you know, and I think other actors would probably agree, agree with me. Um, well, actually even Sarah Paulson, she was saying about, I can't remember what it was she said she was in, but she said, no, at the end of the day, I loved that experience. And I love whether people received it well or not. It's kind of like that was such a um, uh, a grow. It was such a growing experience for, for me, and in some way, and you know, working with people that I that I loved, and working on something that you know I loved. So ultimately, you've got to you've got to see it like that. You can't just constantly worry about how it's going to be perceived. You know, I'm so impressed by how much homework you did for this. Like you, you actually watched the Sarah Paulson one too. That's so nice to hear. 
Yeah, Sarah Paulson, I like her voice as well. She kind of relaxes me. She kind of has, she kind of has this, I don't know, it's not, I don't know if it's a lisp, but, but like, I find her really, um, I like her. I like watching her. I don't know. She's just great, isn't she? She, she is hands down one of the best of the best. And I tend to pick those people out for this show. So that probably uh, reflects how I feel about you and your work as well. Oh, girl, stop. I mean, I mean, let's, yeah. not, let's not compare me to Sarah Paulson. <laughs> hey, hey, you are, you are on the pet. I mean, Sarah Paulson has like decades of work under her belt, but oh. you have a mighty long list of accomplishments. And another one I'm going to throw in that category that I don't think got the love that it deserved is Charlie's Angels. Oh gosh, do you know what? I literally forgot. I was like, wait, what else have I done? That's hilarious. Charlie's Angel again, you know? Um, yeah. What do you want what do you want to know? <laughs> let's let's go. I mean, I want to know a million things, but let's go with what is something that Ella and Kristen did for you on set as a scene partner that you wish more actors brought to set out there? Ooh. I, I can't say that I wish, because there's these certain uh, certain situations, I haven't been in those situations with other actors, so I couldn't compare, but something I definitely appreciated. Um, I'm British. We don't really, we don't really mess with guns here, right? It's not a thing. When, let me tell you, when, like, so Ella is like trained in guns. I can't even tell you what it's called. My girl is like, she, let me, she just knows her way around. Yeah, she just knows. She, I don't know, she's, she's just a ninja. She just has all these qualifications, like she has gun qualifications. I don't know. Kristen and, and Liz just were just like, you know, when choosing their guns, they were just like so into it. I was like five meters away. I was like, I can't be near. I was like, this is just, I'm just, I feel so uncomfortable around a gun. But anyway, so everyone knew I was kind of a bit weird about guns. Um, which could probably work for my character, by the way. And so when we were in the car, Ella just did such a great job of making sure, oh, because I think ultimately, even though you do have people there that for safety, et cetera, et cetera, and she was in, in the car scene where she jumps and she does have this humongous gun, right? That, sh that um, you know, they shoot uh, blanks or something. <laughs> I don't even know the technical thing. I guess it would be blanks. I love how I was like in an action movie and I'm like, yeah, so the fake guns that, that make noise. Um, and she just made sure that I felt comfortable in the sense of she would stop and be like, no, 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 wait. So Naomi, I'm going to put it here so that the, the butt is here. So do you feel comfortable with that? So she just made sure that I felt really comfortable and it, I just really appreciated it. And she was, she was just fantastic. When it came to stunt stuff, when it came to anything physical, she really kind of owned those moments. And I, I, I really give credit to her because, you know, and this was her first movie and she, the way she navigated it, um, I, I love that girl. I think she's, she's wonderful. And she's now like doing, she's, not, she's like a video game. She's a video game. I don't, again, she's a gamer. So this is like her dream. And I'm just like, this is so cool. And like, she's amazing. She's a queen. Kristen Stewart. Now, Kristen, the thing I appreciate most about Kristen is that she cannot, she is so truthful in whatever it is she's doing, even if, it, whether it's the, the comic beat, whether it's the, she just can't lie. She's so authentic. And especially as this character, she was able to really lean into what I think, a side that people don't always see of her. Like Kristen is, she's just so funny and she's so, 
Um, she's such, so badass. Um, and I just really appreciate it. She was always, always there for you emotionally, always. And she could also tell when I was feeling a bit in my head, she'd be like, she'd always, you know, you okay, you good? Um, you know, just kind of encouragement. Or if I clearly felt like, oh, well, that was a shit take or I didn't think I was good or whatever. And she'd be like, she'd be like, hey, hey, look at me. And she'd just like give me a little, you know, a moment. And I, oh, I really appreciated that. She wasn't, and you know, she's Kristen Stewart. My girl has been, been doing this for time, time, time. Um, and she's just a professional. She just knows, she just knows her stuff, man. Um, as was of course Liz, who just kind of would sometimes chuck me in the deep end in terms of like improv and um, and actually it was just, and, and also just allowing us to take ownership over, you know, our characters and in, and I think because, <clears throat> you know, her obviously being an actor as well, that was really important for her. And that transparency was really, really um, uh, well appreciated. Yeah. I've watched the clip of you talking about the Martian. I know you were you were cut out of it. So I, I am curious, can you like walk us through what happened? Like how many scenes did you shoot? Maybe let's start there. Is it just one like meaty scene that got cut? There was one talking scene, dialogue scene. I I'm talking like I've never been on a movie set before. There's one talking scene. There's one <laughs> dialogue scene, I literally. Um, how did I get here guys? I don't know. Um, so there's one dialogue scene. And then I was like in scenes, but just like there. So there was this one dialogue scene. And I was, it was this science jargon. And I, it was, you know, Ridley Scott was behind his curtain. And I was just, mate, I just choked. I just 100, and do you know what? I think it's so important to just talk about moments where you choke because they really do inform you know, your experiences and they really do force you to kind of reconcile whatever those insecurities that you have are and face them. So I actually think it's great. And this is why I don't mind. I'm like, yo, let me tell and anyone out there who's like, what in whatever field of work and you think of that time that you wanted the ground to swallow you up. Let me tell you, we've all been there. I've been there in front of Ridley Scott. And I was... <laughs> I was choking. I couldn't get the, these words. I couldn't get these jargon words out. And um, and I literally remember thinking, in, genuinely in my head, you know that phrase. I want the ground to swallow. Like I wanted the ground to swallow me up. I actually want the ground to swallow me up right now. Um, and you know, we finally, you know, I got, I got it. I mean, if they wanted to use it, they could have. I think it was probably a combination of the fact that they didn't actually need need it. However, the fact that I know I was like so nervous and that I choked, I probably was like, in the back of my mind, I was like, yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna make it into this movie. Um, and then I went to the screen, and then I went to the screening, the cast and crew screening with my, with my best mate, Ifair. And I just remember we were just watching, watching, and I was like, I'm just my bit, I'm sure my bit. Oh no, maybe it's after. No, no, no. Okay, so now, right, so Matt Damon, he's safe now. Yeah, I don't, okay. I was just like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not gonna be after the credits. So think I'm not in it. Um, Is it not typical for them to warn you in advance? 
I was just a little, I was just this little role. They didn't care. Yeah, it's not like, like maybe if you're like the lead in something. That makes I sense. I wouldn't take that stuff too personally. Like it just is, do you know what I mean? It just, I laughed it off. I, I came back to my, um, <laughs> my mother-in-law. This was the best, this is the best thing. I, um, I got back home, well, I went, well, went to hers and because we were there and she opened the door and she went, you're right, extra. Because <laughs> literally in the movie, I was just like, there's one shot of me in this cap and I'm like this. <laughs> it's like one second, I'm like. <laughs> have, you, have you ever looked online? So you know how there's Wikipedia? There's also like mini wikis for movies and your character has its own little wiki page. And it's the shot of, I think of you in the hat. <laughs> It's there. Oh my gosh. There was, yeah. Oh gosh. But it was a fun time. I got to go to Budapest for a few days with my cousins here. It was fun, you know? Again, you just, you learn. Exactly. But generally, I was like, okay, what happened? Why was I like, and I realized I didn't think I deserved to be there. Like I didn't, I, I still to this day have moments of just complete and utter imposter syndrome of um, just really, I'm not, you know, just how did I get here? How, you know, I never grew up, yeah, I didn't go to drama school. I didn't, and, and these are, by the way, these are just not things that I necessarily believe and give credit to, but, you know, been through, been through that. And, and often, you know, your mind does go back there. You just have to continuously, you know, forge a different kind of, neuro pathway in terms of you know where, what your mind goes to but you know this idea of you know I wasn't part of the in I wasn't on the inside I felt like a kind of outsider in that sense and I didn't grow up reading Shakespeare I didn't do theatre I didn't you know I've not done you know, all of these things that just play on your mind in terms of like oh that must mean I'm not a real actor you know or I'm not or I haven't done and and you it but but I mean, the more that you realize that the more time you spend doing that, the less time you actually, you actually spend, you know, figuring out, learning and, and growing and actually becoming the artist that you want to become. And not just the artist that you think you should be, re, oh, I should be like this person or I should be all these people that you, you look up to and you think, oh, I, how do I, you know, how do I get there? But just the version of yourself. Now more than ever, there is so much appetite for specificity and 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 I mean that by not just specificity in terms of the content that we watch but specificity in terms of journey of how you got there as a writer actor director there's no one way yours can be unique and lean into lean into your uniqueness but I have to tell myself that I have moments where I'm just like I cringe at the thought oh I was going through old emails the other day, like in two, from 2013, and I was going, what was I doing? What on earth was I saying? Like, who does that, what am I going on about? You know, you just think, yeah, you, you, you do still have moments. And, um, but I think for me, I just, I just try not to focus on that. And I try to go, why am I doing what I do? Forget all the other stuff. I wanna be better. I wanna be better. I wanna get better. I wanna work with people that are better than me. I wanna work with, you know, great people. I want to be a part of things that I really believe in and things that I, that explore humanity in some way. And, um, and there's, there's not to say you can't do that 
in the context of a big poppy movie. And, you know, I, I, I feel so blessed that I've been a part of these, you know, these, these types of movies. And um, it's a, it's a skill in itself, you know, that being, being a part of that big machine, it's not, um, it comes with its own challenges, but um, definitely, you know, moving forward, um, it is just about, you know, who I'm working with and what I'm saying with what I'm doing is kind of the most, the most important thing for me. So that's kind of, I don't know how I got to where I got to just now, but. It's actually a perfect transition because as you were explaining all of that, I kind of pictured the, like the whole thing playing out in a soft voice, dark voice kind of way. And this is a very random aside, but I just covered this movie that premiered at South by Southwest called Violet with Olivia Munn. And the whole movie is about Olivia Munn acting, you know, in the present, in the scene, but you also see her inner thoughts play out in text. And then on top of that, Justin Thoreau is voicing the uh, the community and the community is telling her to do the things that, you know, would align with with like social norms and expectations. So what experiencing the two things back to back has, you know, really made me think a lot about the way that I think and the way that I act that feels true to me versus the way that I act that might be just adhering to what other people expect. I mean, you've kind of hit the nail on the head with um with this podcast that we that we just released last week. I mean, I've never by the way, that sounds really interesting. I definitely would would, would want to I watch recommend that. it. Violet, right? Violet, yep. Violet, okay. Yeah, those those sort of themes and conversations I just love having at the moment. I mean, I'm having a lot of them, but I find them so, so interesting. And this, um, to be quite honest with you, so we were filming this, shooting this movie, Distant, um, last year. And uh, Brian Kavanaugh-Jones, one of our producers, I was chatting to him and I was basically like, I think we were talking about Olivia Cook, and I was saying, I love... Olivia Cook and you know I've, she's a fellow Brit and we've never really crossed paths and we usually go up sometimes we go up for the same thing and it's you know we don't often get to work together um and um, he was like oh I think I might have a way and he you know told, obviously his the company Q Code um uh, they kind of partner with actors and they create these narrative podcasts something that I wasn't I wasn't really aware of, I didn't know much about it. Um, and quite honestly, I've not really ever really listened to narrative podcasts, didn't, you know, it wasn't something that I'd, that I'd kind of listened to. And, um, uh, but he sent us this script by James Bloor. Um, and I was just, we were just blown away. We were just like, first of all, it's really funny. It's really British. It's really tonally specific to James, it's really personal. And it opens up the door to all, like so many conversations to be had, whether that is, as you say, the, you know, uh, so basically it's a podcast uh, called called Soft Voice, starring Olivia Cook, myself and Belle Powley, um, women, which are both women that I'm huge fans of, love and um, just respect so much. Um, and you know, we all produce it together as well. And James Bloor, the creator is just such a brilliant, um, brilliant writer. And, um, and it's about this, this estate agent, Lydia, 25 years old. And she has a voice in her head called soft voice who tells her what to do, um, uh, to great success. And then one day soft voice leaves and is replaced by another voice. And it's this kind of like, I, I, I would almost 
the comps would be kind of like flea bag meets I may destroy you meets end of the effing world. It's kind of like this, you know, as I said, very, it's a very dark, it's a dark comedy and it explores this idea as you were talking about Perry of, you know, this performative, um, you know, creating a, almost like a, not a coping mechanism or a voice to help us navigate the world in the way that we feel like the world wants us to be or the all the these expectations out of these social norms or these cultural norms that the, the world these expectations they put on us and how we then transform ourselves into something that we feel like um is acceptable to other people um and um it, it's a lot of fun and uh, it was so cool because sonus um, actually did the sound editing. So you, you know, when you listen to it with headphones, it feels like you have these voices in your head. Um, and we've actually been really blown away with, um, with the, with the response in terms of the people that have engaged, because for us personally, we love this so much and, and, the, and does, as does Belle and, and, uh, Olivia. And it's, um, we, we love it so much. And it's kind of, it was less about let's try and make something that's going to be the biggest pod. Like, you know, it was, it was all about, we think we have such a, a product of such quality. Um, and we want the people who engage with it to be as into it as we are. And that's what we found. It feel, you know, people are just kind of, I mean, whether it's my, for anyone from my mother-in-law to my auntie, to my, to, to producers that I know, to my friends, that, that, you know, array of people, feels like people have really connected to it because they've either seen themselves in it or they're asking themselves questions or they're going, okay, would I consider myself more, you know, a perfectionist? Do I feel like there is, you know, and, and also are these voices, voices uh, from our past? Are these people that have, you know, given us labels or these, whether it's a parent or, you know, yeah, anyone, someone from our past that, and we carry them into, into our, um, into our future or this idea of projecting, you know, do we, do we project onto other people, you know, these, these voices that we have inside our head and, um, it's a lot of fun and it's honestly, I, I, I love it so much. And again, I think it's really fun when I get to talk about something that I just, thoroughly thoroughly believe in and just love and and I didn't really think it would be a narrative podcast like I never you know it was not this strategic thing of like no I'm gonna do a producer narrative it was just we read it and we were like who is this guy and then we spoke to James and you know he can by the way he can do a much better job at talking about in depth what this meant to him and the personal journey that he's been on even with his own mental health and um but I it, it just some of the we ended up just having we were on the gosh we were on this like zoom for hours and it just felt like we didn't even scratch the surface in terms of some of these things and me even me and my my husband we were chatting about okay because you know would you be more like soft voice or dark voice um you know and what and for me I feel like maybe I'm a little bit more dark voice Jordan who you know my husband who who was an athlete for you know most of his life definitely the more perfectionist kind of voice he he leans you know that way and um and what does that mean and and you know is one bad is one good are they both bad are they both good are they are they both suboptimal what 
um, it asks all those all those questions and and it has a lot of a lot of a lot of fun doing it. So um, so yeah, very very excited about about it. I'm two episodes in. I'm fascinated and cannot wait to listen to more. Oh, for, cool. for the production process of it all, because I imagine that's a very unique experience compared to the films and shows you've made. If you could go back to the very beginning and give yourself one piece of advice to kind of make the most of the the voice performance opportunity, what would it be and why? No, actually, you know what? I don't think there's anything I would have even... I think just it, it actually does take a lot out of you. It, it does because we we did we recorded the podcast in literally like three day three four days so there were really long stints so I think I wasn't necessarily anticipating you're kind of like oh great it's just like recording a podcast but no it's it's it takes a lot out of you and, and I would go from so I think what I would have done is I think I crammed it a little bit I think I would have spread it out a little bit more and maybe done half days because I was I was really sore by the end because also my character, what she goes through, I feel like I, I play 10 different characters. At the beginning, you know, as you hear, I'm almost this kind of robotic Truman show, like, um, oh no, like so innocent and ba like, even the way it's written is very specific, you know, oh no, Graham will, Graham has a heart of gold and great, like it's very, it's supposed to be like that. And I remember asking James, I was like, are you sure? This just like sounds, and he was like, no, no, I want, you know, he was very specific in terms of what he wanted. Um, but I would say maybe just um, spreading it out a little bit because it does, it does take a lot out of you. Um, and uh, also because, you know, I would go from doing like a comedy bit to just then like floods, you know, being in floods of tears and, and you, also, you have to give so much of your voice because obviously people can't see you when you're on screen. So much can be said from your face. It's not like whether, you know, that's why I, I, I have so much respect for voice actors. My goodness. Like, I really, really do. I think it's such a skill. Um, so we, yeah, I kind of had a bit of a crash course on. So, um, so yeah, it was, um, I'd just say I would, I would have spread it out. Well, all, all of all of that work and, and the emotion that went into it so far, it's paying off quite well. Hopefully, yes, we'll see. It's um, it's funny when people, the other thing is when you do it, you I know the story and I know all the spoilers and I know blah, 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 blah. So you forget. So then when people have listened, so for example, the first episode, I totally forgot that, you know, should I say this spoiler? Yeah, I mean, well, you should go and listen to it, by the way. Anyone's listen, <laughs> but you know, like at the, you know, at the end, so Olivia, Olivia, who is, I won't say, but you'll know what I mean. Who's narrating the end? You know what what is revealed at the end. My friend was like, I was so shook. He was like, I was. He said he was walking outside and he was like freaking out because it just made him feel so weird. And I was like, Oh yeah, I forgot. Like you don't, you know, what I know, people don't know, and they're experiencing for the first time. It is um, very jarring. Also, cause the, the first episode does a, such a good job of just establishing the norm and, and almost like, I don't know, like, like, a, like a, a mesmerizing kind of like lulls you into her existence to the point that that just feels right. And when something yanks you out of it, it mm. it's shocking. You're right. Again, I, that's the thing I wish I could experience it from an objective point of view because and I still that's the, the great thing is I still love it and I still loved I love listening to it and kind of was able to 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 um 
to kind of dive into it without being too in my head about it. But um, but I'm oh I am so glad to hear that you that you enjoyed it and that you're kind of that you're into it because um because yeah no we we also are you know we love it and we're fans so it means yeah it means a lot very very much so I I meant what I said all right random questions okay. if we got a few minutes for a few yeah, more here let's do it. It's so it's like random rapid fire questions. You know, if you watch the show, this, this first one is is very weird and new and not so rapid. But we're gonna make a team up question here. If you had the opportunity to recast the Power Rangers, but only with actors who you haven't worked with and you're dying to work with, who would you cast around you? That is, I I can't do that rapid fire. That's so hard. No, I know. I warned you. Um. Oh my gosh, I can't recall. Oh, you guys. Um, okay, I would do, um, no, I can't. Sarah Paulson, because we were talking about her. Okay. Dominique Fisher, because we were talking about her and I like them both. Can I um, give you a suggestion? Yeah, go on. Because you've already brought up the end of the fucking world, Jessica Barden. Oh yeah, she's great. Okay. Oh, she would be great as well. Oh, maybe, who knows? Maybe, by the way, maybe they're casting her because you know. Um, mm. But um, but that that was but that was not actually me saying that. I know something about that. That was just like complete. Um um um. By the way, you know when I come off now, I'm gonna now I'm gonna think of so many people. Um, uh, oh, do you know who'd be amazing? There's this movie called Rocks. Um, and it's literally there's these two perform. All the girls in the movie are incredible, but there's two girls that are kind of the main. Um, uh, Bookie and Kassar, um, these two, it was their first movie, they'd never acted before, and they were so incredible. I'm like so obsessed, and I like, yes, I like reached out to them and was like, girls, like, if you ever need anything, I'm here. <laughs> but not that they need any, not that they need any help, they're amazing, but, um, so them two as well. They're all girls. Um, oh wait, what, what guys do I love? I feel like I'm so bad at this, I'm sorry. You know, it's a really great group right there. I mean, it's a great group, isn't it? Um, I do have a, who do I have a bit of a crush on as well? Oh, I do have a bit of a crush on um, Tess Thompson as well. Oh, very understandable. These are just all my, now I'm just doing all my <laughs> girls that I fancy. Um, have, I, have I done enough? I feel like that's I enough. So yeah, I, th I think we've got, we've got enough so that we could cover the Green Ranger in the sequel now. I don't okay, even know okay. why I boxed it into Power Rangers. If I think of anything, any others, then I'll, I'll just throw them as we go. Sounds good. All right, next one. What is a new hobby you picked up during lockdown? Backgammon. Really? Yeah. Cause you know, we're like really cool 20, 20, I'm a really cool 27 year old. I played backgammon. Yeah, me and my husband, he was like, um, should we learn how to play backgammon? I was like, no, Jordan, I was like, but really it was because he'd already got a head start and I couldn't deal with the fact that like I knew I was going to have to lose a lot first before I started winning and then um <clears throat> and then I then I won a little winning streak uh backgammon it's great it's great great game what can I say and then right. other than that I I mean I did had done yoga before but I did I start we started yoga a little bit more um uh regularly so that was good and that's about it really. Oh, pa oh I, might, I make pancakes a lot. 
that I mean, that is one of the most impressive things to me. I mean, I'm just I, I'm addicted to the microwave. So any anytime someone actually makes something from scratch, I applaud you all day long. Gluten-free, dairy-free pancakes, guys. That is all right. I have a feeling this one might might take some thinking. If you could only eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Dairy pancakes. I've not learned anything about me during the last <laughs> I can't that. I will give you my day. No, no, let me just, I'll, you know, no, no, let me do this. If I could eat, see, this is difficult because you can't, nothing can you can eat for the rest of your life because you'll feel sick. You don't want to eat it. Right? The things I do very rarely say no to would be my mum's curries, my mum's dal. I could literally eat my mum's dal for like breakfast um, and her like okra curry, aubergine curry, spinach curry oh potato and yeah all good stuff and then like with um chapatis so like actually you could eat you could have an array of things because you have raita and then you could have like your chapati your dal your bits and pieces and then like for you know for breakfast you could have a bit you, you could mix and match it do you know what i mean so i'd say like some big indian meal that then you could like mix and match or a good old roast dinner never say no to a roast dinner um i do love i do love fish and chips oh just the fat just fat chunky greasy fish and chips oh yeah that's my new york pizza all all day if i could how do you feel about new york pizza yeah is probably how i feel about the the new york pizza and new york bagels are becoming problematic because i've been here for a year now and it was a nice treat at the beginning but now now i'm thinking about going back to la so i gotta eat as much as them as i possibly can before i go back is there a specific place that you love well right now i'm on long island so it's like my childhood bagel store that's the that's the number one place and yeah i guess it's like a childhood local pizza place too but i would choose uh some places in manhattan if i had the opportunity pizza oh I do love pizza as well oh so good all right last two for you here first who is a filmmaker that you think is changing the industry for the better again do you know what that's really hard it could even be someone who's just made a very big impression on you too do you know what I can't do the, the change in the industry I think someone else would be better to answer that I can there are some filmmakers that I've I love that I've been really inspired by of late. Um, one is uh, Sarah Dina Smith. I don't know if you know her. She did Buster's Malheart, which is on, which is um, it's actually on Netflix, and then Midnight Swim as well. And she just was like the reason that I feel like she's quite she's so special is when you watch something and you're just like, oh my gosh, like any rules? She's just like. <laughs> I, which I just think is really cool. Any like filmmakery rules, she's kind of like, no, no, I'm just gonna do, you know, do what I want to do. Um, and it's just like, I love, I love her filmmaking. Um, what other movies have I watched of late that I've loved? Um, oh, I watched this. We watched this movie, Dead Pigs, by Kathy Yan. I don't know. If oh you know. yes. No, that well, that's such a. Oh my gosh, I was like, this is. The reason I love that movie so much is because, oh, wait, no, there's another movie called, um, oh, wait, no, Dead Pigs is amazing. I loved it because it was so, again, it's the levity and the, the, the levity, but also 
using the comedy, the dark comedy again, to really kind of delve into these themes of, you know, modernization and how Shanghai is like, you know, progressing and what that means for different groups of society. Like there's all these multi-layered and that's what I just think is so genius, as well as it looking so aesthetically beautiful. Um, there's another movie called And We Danced um, by Levin Atkin. Honestly, this movie is like, for me, this is like, it, it, it's, it's basically, a, it's about jo the Georgian dance, um, a Georgian dance school. And the, it's a love story between these two boys that fall in love in this dance school. And, it, you know, it's, it's so beautiful. And it's kind of, it has the beats of a really commercial dance movie, but it's actually because it's set in this kind of smaller world. It, obviously it's an you know, independent foreign, foreign language film, but it's just beautiful and stunning and I'm obsessed with it. Um, so it's funny because yes, there are these, obviously these incredible filmmakers that are like changing and shifting things and ones that are, you know, so talked about. Um, but I, I, the ones that always connect to me are also just the things that I discover or that someone someone you know says oh you should watch this or you should watch that that um that that sometimes broaden my perspective and um make me think about filmmaking in a different way um so yeah I would but again I probably would I probably would have an answer for that question I don't want to just say someone for saying someone's sake I'd rather you know because I feel like or I don't want to say someone that I think I should say or that I you know because we all do that don't we we're like, who's buzzy right now? Um. Very, very understandable and some solid answers that you landed on because I get so excited when people drop titles that I haven't seen before. So now I got a whole bunch of stuff to add to my list. So I appreciate that. I love anything. Oh, you, we're, we're also watching The Great at the moment, which I think is, oh, Nick oh, Holt. So good. Hell, both of them. But Nick is hilarious. Nick Holt in that is just, I'm just like, it's brilliant. He uh, is something else. Rami though is also my favorite. That's ah. oh, Rami is just like one of my favorite. Just yeah, one of the best shows out there in terms of oh, it's so good on so many levels. Um, sorry, I could now just list all the things that I love and things that I love. But um, but yeah, I have the habit of doing that myself. Last ladies' night question for you. It's it's the big one. You can go deep with it. You can keep it light. What is the biggest fear that you have ever had that you've actually managed to overcome? Uh, my biggest fear is, if, my biggest fear is um, everyone hating me. And I don't think I've really overcome it yet. I'm a bit too much of a bit, I, I, I'm, too, I, I'm too worried about what people think about me. Definitely, 100%. I'm a bit I feel a bit like even just recognizing that alone is one step towards overcoming it. I mean, I've had those, and, and also I've had to face it in a big way before, where it's like, here are, you know, whatever it is, um, whether it's, I don't know, people saying whatever about you, and you're just like, but you don't know me. And it's like, you have to face that fear head on. Um, yeah, I think, I think, but I think I'm, I think I've got better at it, definitely. Um, and I'm also with someone who is less that way, um, makes me probably feel just more relaxed sometimes when it's like, you know what? That doesn't matter. That's not what, like always keep the main thing, the main thing. So I try to push against it, but yeah, we all have those moments, don't we? 
um, yeah, my biggest, or my biggest fear is everyone finding out that I am indeed shit. That that fear that fear should go away. You've proven yourself time and time again. I think everyone. I don't know. Yo, there must be people listening that will be like, "Yeah, that's me." Like we're all just like, when they when will they find out that I cannot do this? I'm great at saying that to people that I admire, but meanwhile, every interview I do, I'm like, "I'm shit." That was a terrible question. Like, why did I say that or phrase that that way? It's very. That is me, like on a daily basis. Do you know, sometimes, sometimes I wish I could be one of those cool people who like don't really talk, but then it, but it just means that they don't, they rarely then say something that they just regret. Whether me, I'm the opposite. I just talk, 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 and then I'm like, you could have, like, you, no one was forcing you to talk, nay. Like, no one had a gun to your head, you know? Um, so, yeah, I'd say those are my, that's probably my biggest fear. I always try to remind myself that caring so much like that is is a good thing. Because if I didn't have those those kinds of nerves and fears about what others are thinking, it would mean I wasn't caring about the work that I was doing. And I never want that to go away, even if it does come with some of that added pressure. It's just having a like a healthy management system with it. I think you're. I you know, that's at. a really eloquent explanation of what our people go through. And I think you're right. I think it's a case of just going recognizing if you're someone that leans a certain way and then kind of having something to counteract that because the very thing that is your weakness can also be your strength right um and i think it's just knowing not to lean too much into into in, into one part of yourself We've been going for quite a while now. And I'll tell you, I could do a whole bunch of episodes of Ladies Night with you. You are so lovely. And I just love the passion behind the projects that you've done. I cannot thank you enough for hanging out with us today. Oh, Perry, it's been an absolute pleasure. You are, you're wonderful. And you're, and you are indeed not shit. You are wonderful and very good at what you do. <laughs> you, you are not shit either. And you are excellent at what you do. And that's one of the big reasons why everyone needs to go find Soft Voice on, you know, whatever platform you find Apple, your podcast. Podcasts, Spotify podcasts on, on all, all the platforms. Yep. Go check it out, Naomi. Thank you again for hanging out with us. Stay tuned for more Ladies Night. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.